HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. Hi, this is Katie Kiefer from What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. listening to Eat Your Words and Heritage Radio Network. That was a fun little record scratch in the intro there, David. (laughs) DJ in the house. We have a new engineer, by the way, um, at Heritage. Anyway, I'm your host, Kathy Arroway, and today we're pleased to welcome back on air. I think this is your third time here, Lucas. Yeah, I think it is. Yes. Okay. (laughs) That is Lucas Volger, and we're talking about his latest book, Bowl, uh, vegetarian recipes for ramen, pho, bibimbap, dumplings, and other one-dish meals. Lucas is also the co-founder of Jerry Magazine, a new quarterly. Um, Jari. Jari. Sorry. That's okay. Okay. Oh, it rhymes with sorry, so yeah. <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> um, yeah, so Lucas, this is your third book. Yes. And um, <clears throat> this is... A beautiful book. I know you've gotten a lot of awesome press for it so far. It was in Vogue and so forth. Um, but again, it is a vegetarian book, and uh, you're really good at like cross en- uh, or like reverse engineering these like, I guess, hearty uh, staples through a vegetarian lens. Like so, in- for instance, your first book was. Um, veggie burgers every which way mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh vegetarian entrees that that don't suck or something uh, that don't <laughs> leave you hungry that don't leave you hungry <laughs> <laughs> so now you've gotten like ramen pho bibimbap these traditionally kind of meaty hearty soupy um dishes um but they're all through a vegetarian uh perspective and you just beautifully it seems because they all look amazing um you really add a lot of color and variety to these dishes. It's not just like, you know, one dimensional, like, I don't know. So what is your secret here to making these dishes work so well that are known for being meat based? First off, thank you. That's really nice of you to say that. I, the, um, I mean, pho? like, how do you? Yeah. Well, I think it's well with like veggie burgers as a point of comparison. I don't. 
I, I stop at the, at the very beginning. I try not to think of it as like an approximation of the, a meat hamburger. Mm-hmm. So like with pho, I don't try to think of it as approximating. Fake meat. You don't yeah. like add the you know, or even soy trying protein. to like get that kind of flavor really like mm-hmm. vegetarian pho or, and solid actually vegan pho. But, um, I'm it's glad very, for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a very delicate fake beef affair. So you're like, mm-hmm. you're, you're more playing off those like, and, and, those top notes, like the herbs are really important and mm-hmm. getting the balance and the broth is really important so that it, you know, it's a lot of vegetarian, if you make vegetarian stock or vegetable stock, it, if you're not careful, it can be too sweet because mm-hmm. of the sugars and all the vegetables. And so just kind of being careful about preparing that. I mean, it's really, it's just an exercise in balance. Mm-hmm. Um, as, cool. as with most food. Now, to play devil's advocate, why do it? I know it seems like a, you know, for a lot of people who hold these recipe or these dishes dear, uh, it would seem like a fool's, you know, task to try to make a vegetarian pho, for instance. So why do you decide to do that? Um, well, I mean, I guess if for like veggie burgers, it's, it, it, yes, it's not approximating a meat burger but it anchors it mm-hmm. it makes it familiar for people and familiar for myself mm-hmm. and so with pho it's you've got sort of similar components this very fragrant broth the rice noodles right. the herbs on top and then i take it in a lot of different direction based on seasonality and farmer's market inspiration so it's kind of like uh, apples and oranges like this is a different dish it's just kind of anchoring you there and bringing you in through your familiarity with um yeah dishes a yeah. familiar f- formula i guess mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well <clears throat> well done well done um <laughs> okay the other thing is that this book is all about bowls it's an interesting concept um what have you against uh plates <laughs> i hate plates <laughs> um it well it was i mean I, there's salad plates there's dinner plates oh, they all just need to go there's chargers there's what else <laughs> kill on. your plates Duh. um well i started out the book i was really inspired by the vegetarian ramen served at juco in prospect heights oh, cool yeah it's just completely transcendent and amazing and it mm-hmm. made me really excited to go into my kitchen and experiment and um so i started developing ramen recipes and then i i can't remember exactly what prompted but then i was like oh i should try out vegetarian pho too that might be kind of fun and then that led to like bibimbap and then mm-hmm. at the same time i was doing what so many people do i'm just, i live i live at home alone and kind of like when you're feeling lazy or you need to fix dinner really quickly just kind of like take all your leftovers and dump them in a mm-hmm. bowl and eat it like on your love seat sure and i was doing that Leftover and i was just bowl. like realizing that the whole thing like with the commonality of these dishes was the vessel uh-huh um yeah and that, that that's how was, i eat too yeah i mean everybody's <clears throat> talking about bowl like it's this like new even like a health food kind of like it's been buzzing around a bit um, maybe it's a whole grain bowl, maybe something like that. Um, maybe it has to do with like not eating bread as much. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people are going gluten free, so bowls are just like everywhere. Yeah, it's it's just like the buzziest thing right now. Totally. Um, and I hear that bowls themselves are like flying off shelves or something. I know it's it's, cr- <laughs> it's well. Funny. This is Michael um, Harlinterkel, the photographer, and he was also the prop stylist on this book. But he brought in all these amazing handmade mm. bowls by a lot of local ceramicists. And I had sort of been like a Crate and Barrel West Elm kind of guy before that mm-hmm. photo shoot. And then all these amazing handmade, unique, one-of-a-kind bowls. I'd, I've sensed, like, I don't I don't want any crappy bowls in my Is house. Is this a hearth bowl I see here? No. It might I don't be. know. 
There's just some good bowls. There's some nice bowls. <laughs> but I don't know. I think the bowl is, it's definitely like not a new thing. I feel like it's been capitalized in a, in a trendy way with like power bowls or, or what, but the idea of it, what, what is appealing to me and probably so broadly appealing is that it, it really lends itself to a component style of eating where mm-hmm. you're using a lot of whole foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that helps to eat more healthfully. Um, it's, I mean, when you're like, I live alone and often cooking for one. And so it's, I don't know, it just kind of like limits your dishes. You put everything in the bowl and then, I don't, right. and then, um, I don't know. They also look really good on Instagram. Yeah. Can't, can't deny that's that. That's true. But there's something, um, you know, it's kind of weird because the, the average, um, like, or the traditional American place setting, you know, the five piece place setting does not come with like a dinner size bowl, or I should say like a noodle bowl. Mm-hmm. Like that's a staple of the Eastern kind of dishware yeah. sets. Um, but it, it's like a t- dinky little cereal bowl. So <laughs> I can see why people are rushing out to get those, you know, bigger bowls. Yeah. And what do they sometimes call them? They're like this wide shallow. Bowls. Pasta bowls, I've heard, like or noodle bowl, bowls. Or, or sometimes like a, is, it, is this wrong, a deep salad plate? Or is, uh, that's, that sounds wrong. That's, that sounds wrong. But <laughs> take, that, take that, edit that or, out. <laughs> or like people are eating a salad out of a big, you know, bowl yeah. um, for salads. Um, and it's, uh, it, I think it's changing the way people are, or how much uh, people are going to be manufacturing, you know, larger bowls, which were sort of mostly in an Asian hmm. um like if you walk into like a crate and barrel or something, those bigger bowls or like the ramen bowls, yeah, yeah, like the noodle bowls. I don't know. I grew up with um, larger bowls, you know, in the household like that for noodles, and I always found it frustrating to go to someone else's house and there's only these tiny little yeah. cereal bowls if you wanted to the, make something. I like the wide, shallow ones. I feel mm-hmm. like that that's kind of ideal for this style of eating, and they're often like they double as nice serving bowls at dinner parties too. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is like a, a sort of a, an interesting visceral, um, uh, ch- like step in the way you know you can see how America's eating differently mm-hmm. over time because we're eating more Asian foods, we're eating we're eating more ethnic foods, we're eating more whole grains, and this is being reflected in the vessels, um, totally. which this book really captures. Um, and how did you learn to make these dishes? Because you're not. Asian, Lucas, nope. and uh, you <laughs> did uh, all these bibimbap and uh, ramen, um, and it, you have a great primer for like all these uh, you know traditional ingredients like the seaweed, the noodles themselves, and how to choose them. Um, was this just a labor of love and research? Yeah, it was a lot of research. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of time with a lot of different cookbooks, and I ate out a lot and talked to um, a number of different chefs and. But when it came down, I kind of, I, it got to a point where I just, I needed to like, just leave that kind of in my brain and then let go of it. And cause I didn't, it's not like authoritative on, on any of these cuisines that I draw from is very much inspired by and, and just as equally inspired by, um, by, by the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. For me, that's, what's really exciting about vegetarian cooking is going to the farmer's market and, um, planning what you're going to eat based on what you find there. So it's, it has that, I, I guess there's like a little, there's, um. It has roots in in the some traditional like flavor profiles and yeah. techniques, but it's not necessarily like bound by sure. them. Sure, and this book <clears> is <throat> really worldly. Actually, you know, there's the ratatouille polenta bowl, which looks again, you know, very fresh uh, farmers market veggie inspired. Um, you know, you've got the zucchini noodles, which are which <laughs> always fun, and uh, the black beans and so forth. Um, 
uh, there's just like a whole variety of uh, cuisines that you sort of draw from but don't totally subscribe to. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so it's bound by bowls and a love of veggies. <laughs> yes. Say. Um, tell me sh- briefly a little bit about um, why you started Jari. And I know it's in its first year, correct? Right. And you guys have already gotten an essay in there that was nominated for a James Beard Award. We did. Just last week. That yes. is amazing. Congratulations. Really exciting. John Birdsall's essay. That's way to go- way to start out. I know. The bang. Um, I can't quite believe that, really. Um, I started, well, I've been thinking about, uh, so I'm a gay guy, and I've worked in food for a while. I worked in... Um, I worked in bakeries and restaurants through college and then in publishing for a while. And then I've been writing cookbooks for the last six or seven years. And I launched a food business called yeah. Made by Lucas. Mm-hmm. And Veggie I've done like mix. a little bit of everything in like the food service industry. Um, and I've always been aware that there's a lot of gay guys that work in food. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially on the media side, it's largely intended for a female audience, which yeah. is not a bad thing, of course. But um I've always been kind of interested in what would happen if you created an outlet for another gay male audience, like how the scope of the content might change, how the voice might change. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I've also been kind of intrigued by the legacies of people like James Beard and Craig Claiborne and Richard Olney, who who were gay guys, but um, I, I, like everyone knows, or anyone who is involved in food knows who James Beard was but I'm constantly meeting people who had no idea that, that he, he was, was a gay guy yeah and that just seems like an interesting like that is really interesting I, yeah that people that, there's that, a lot of un, under um hmm. research do you think that that's there. sort of swept like purposely kind of like hidden from like most I don't know from the focus of his work or legacy or anything I don't know it's a tough argument because sometimes um I don't. It, who's to say if it, that is important? I mean, yeah. I think that it's important, but maybe he wouldn't have thought it was that important. Or, maybe. And we're talking about food and like, what does sexuality actually have to do with food when you really get down to it? So there's a lot of it's like an interesting argument. And, and in his lifetime, things were a little different. Totally. Uh, and and he was like open. an eccentric. So right, it was. Right. You might have just kind of folded up the gay thing in with a whole lot of other things, you know. So it's. <laughs> Um, yeah, he was a bit of a bon vivant. Yeah, that's what we would <laughs> exactly. say. So we always with uh, Steve and Alex, my um, partners and Jerry, we often had this argument—not argument, but just like a fun sort of heated discussion about when you say "gay food magazine," does the gay modify the food or does the gay modify the magazine? <laughs> and for us, it's like the magazine because the idea of like food itself being gay is kind of—you can only like have that like intellectual conversation for mm-hmm. so long before it starts to seem totally ridiculous yeah no there's definitely like uh, it seems ha, what do you think of the response so far it's been great it, yeah. we've had um, it's a niche that hasn't been filled it's weird to think that you know it, it is and it's um the, probably the most exciting part it's all been very exciting but one of the most exciting parts is just the community of people who are really eager for it and so yeah it's I've met all kinds of great people. I'm constantly meeting people. I'm always trying to, you know, meet with contribute different contributors and different writers and cooks and artists and um it's funny to me how we seem to f- live in there's there's some belief or I don't there's this notion that we're in like a post-gay society because uh-huh. of like gay uh-huh. marriage and all the advances that have happened in the past um, several years and still when I meet Progress. with these people we end up like having coming out stories conversations oh. and it's like so it's still like I feel like there's still it's it's like a ripe subject yeah um, and I'm definitely. excited to have a place where we can 
put more stories on the page. I am too. Um, I feel like, and there's been conversations all over the place, like from feminism and so forth, um, about how a lot of male food writing tends to be really, um, I guess, macho, macho (laughs) and bro-y. Yeah. And like really, um, I don't know, meaty, heavy, and Mm -hmm. like a little bit like, um, there's also some sort of like personifications in food, like, oh, that's sexy, you know, (laughs) and like, it's, yeah, you hear gripes about that, and certainly the food writing, maybe I should name names, but you know, I think we know that, you know, folks like Anthony Bourdain or something like that is really kind of really um, led, paved this path. And it was a niche that spoke to a lot of people mm-hmm. and still does. And there's still a lot of people who really just uh, feel like this is their like this. They are the audience for this and they attach to it, which is great. I mean, yeah. So there's plenty there was more. One, niches. Of, one of the other um, things that prompted Jari was, did you ever read in New York magazine? There's an article called called like the it, it, it coined this term, the duty. Which is a, a dude foodie. It was by okay. Jessica Pressler, oh, and she, she just kind of described exactly what you're talking about. This, mm-hmm. and but more, I I liken it to like sports where you can just buy a lot of gear. I know the guys that like ride in circles around Prospect Park <laughs> and like ten thousand yeah, dollars worth yeah. of, of mountain biking gear. But um, that approach to cooking that's so like equipment oriented, and it's like these three days of fixing a bosom or whatever Ooh, and like how you much don't know how to scramble eggs. Testosterone is in yeah. this egg and so forth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh, I don't thinking like, oh God, all the gay foodies I know are not like this. So mm-hmm. what's, the, what's the term for that? Oh, it's a goodie. Hey, that would be a great name for a magazine. But unfortunately, there's already a magazine I'm, called Goodie. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. Jari worked a, out. Yeah, Jari worked out. Totally. Um, we're going to cut to a quick little commercial interlude and be right back. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. All right, we're back chatting more with Lucas Volger on his new book, Bowl, and um, this beautiful cover just for folks who haven't seen it and aren't looking at it right now i can see like three herbs here right there's well there's a hot pepper maybe a fresh jalapeno mint there's some mint and is that basil there's some and yeah, parsley basil, and uh, also some celery leaf uh-huh and then there's baby bok choy yeah and this little smudge of um caramelized spring onions it's really beautiful, uh, beautifully photographed, and that's by uh, Michael Harden Turkel, whose uh, show, The Food Scene, um, is also on this station. So and definitely. Rebecca Pepler styled that. All the all the beautiful food in here, too. Awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> what is your... Okay, so it was first ramen that brought you into this this uh, particular theme. Um what did you What did you find like the most surprising that um, was you know to translate I guess into a, a vegetarian style? Uh, I had Entree. never been that excited by vegetarian ramen before Chuko because mm-hmm. they're often 
just kind of like a miso soup with an egg and, and wheat noodles in it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So it just has this sort of not complex flavor in it. Yeah, like, it should be complex. And the broth is really, I mean, I don't. I see this all the time, and I actually don't know if um, I'm completely wrong in thinking this, but when people, like, waste the ramen, like, don't drink it all, it kind of makes me angry because that's so good. And especially oh with, like, meats of it, it's, like, hours and hours of preparation. And <laughs> why would you waste that? <laughs> that's where but, all the good stuff is. Yeah. That's yeah. Where you're... And with, I wanted, the broth was the, the hardest part. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be as delicious as it's supposed to be. In, in ramen. So um, Chuko has their, it's just like a completely exquisite broth. It's, um, it's, it's dashi based. Okay, yeah, so there is some miso in there. And then um, I don't know what all kombu. they put in there. Yeah, because dashi usually stock. has, and usually miso has, you know, dashi, but it doesn't usually have the bonito. So the dried fish um, kind of seeped in there. Yeah, that's, I leave that out in mm-hmm. this book, but um, I'll use like dried shiitake mushrooms or. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, asparagus ends or like corn cobs or Whoa. other things to sort of infuse it with like nice wow. vegetable flavors. So really all the all the stuff that you're going to throw out, asparagus ends, you mm-hmm. know, corn cobs, any, like what is one trimming that you, know, you definitely not do? Because I, you know, I'm. I hopefully, you know, try to tell folks to save their, you know, celery leaves and like little butts from the carrots and so forth. Maybe not. Um, and like, I just kind of chuck them all in a stock pot. But what else? What's bad? I feel like squash skin might not be that good or something that anything that might make it like too sweet. Hmm. It's, for me, that's with veg, a vegetable stock when it's too sweet with like too many carrots and parsnips. And, yeah, that's so that, that we just want to try to get the balance out. So I feel like asparagus and hmm. corn cobs are sweet, but, they, but you only need to like steep them for like 10 minutes. So it, it's very, it, it's Starchy, the, the flavor right? cleans, um, comes through really cleanly, really quickly. Hmm. So it sounds like making veggie broth is actually quicker than doing those long simmered meat based broths. Oh my God. Yeah. The dashi is, I hadn't really cooked with dashi or kombu. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a vegetarian dashi in the book, but you know, it is, it's based on kombu, a sea vegetable. And you just, you literally just cover it with cold, cold water and let it sit. There's not, it's so easy. Right. And it's so full of this wonderful, like saline flavor. That's really complex and is a nice, um, backdrop for all kinds of other stuff and obviously you know dashi is like crucial in japanese cuisine Mm -hmm. but um i that was such a revelation for me cooking with dashi and all these different and now i i mean if i don't have vegetable stock i'd use dashi or um wait so am i really dumb because after like years of making you know regular stock like chicken stock whatever bone stocks uh with meat whenever i'm making a veggie broth i let that I let that pot simmer for hours. Am I just wasting my time? I, do I not I, need to do like that? After like an hour, it, <laughs> they usually like do okay. give up pretty much everything. <laughs> yes, yeah, vegetable stock should be is, is quite a bit quicker. <laughs> well, at least I'm not like uh, I guess it's hopefully not hurting the flavor. No, by doing it so. longer. Okay, all right. Um, <clears throat> so okay, you've written a book about bowls. You've written a book about veggie entrees, veggie burgers. What's your next project? Right now, I want to focus on. I've, I've, I don't. I love to like. I love new projects, and I love. Um, I try to say yes to every single opportunity, and so like Jari was. 
this opportunity. It was, it was my the idea for the magazine was my own, but when I met Alex and Steve, and we all were in agreement about doing it, it was like, okay, this is my chance, and I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had launched Made by Lucas because I was like, okay, there's nothing, there's no product like it's a fresh vegetable veggie burger mix that comes in a tub, so you shape it into patties and nice. treat it as you would. Like, and you can meat. get it at Whole Foods, right? You can get it at Whole Foods. Yep. Freezer aisle or fridge aisle? Uh, buy the tofu. Buy uh, the tofu. The meat alternatives. All right. So that and then the cookbooks, I just, I love recipe development, doing the cookbooks, and I feel like I can kind of do that like in the off hours. Mm-hmm. But um, right now I'm just going to focus on what I've got. Yeah, because doing a quarterly magazine, I mean, it's that's a lot of work. It, it's a biannual, but it's still a lot of work. Oh, okay. It's a, it's but, a book. My background is in books, and so it's like, it's kind of text heavy. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's I, I, that, I, I don't want to mischaracterize it. It's beautiful and spaced out nicely and everything, but um, I really want media articles that have a lot of value. So <laughs> right. I want it's them not to like have like a, picture, a lasting place on like your bookshelf. Kind of coffee table thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it seems like it's it's going that way with a, with a nod from the James Beard Foundation yeah. already. Jeez. Um, what is, what'll be next? When does the next issue come out? So we actually can... comes out April 15th. We were just uh, sent it to the printer soon. the other day. Awesome. And we will see you at the food book fair. That's right. May 1st, May f- Sec- May first to second, first and at second. the Wyth, we have there's a great by the way foodie articles uh, fair uh, within the fair of food magazine. So uh, and we'll have a booth. Ontario will have a booth. Yeah, always a good way to scope it out. Is there a theme to each issue? Like, will you have a theme for the next one? First theme um, was just what is Jari. So we had to explain the name. Um, Jari um, comes from this vernacular called Polari that was used in the 20th century, mostly in England by um, like arts in the arts world mm-hmm. and as a way for gay guys to identify each other um, out in public of course so it wasn't it, legal or safe really to be gay okay yeah um, so in Polari Jari means food but um, so the first issue had this theme of what is Jari and it kind of huh. sets up the scope of the magazine and yeah it just sets up the it's scope it's an interesting like uh, namesake to have to have to well for at the one hand you know drawing on this uh, history but also being taking that and sort of twisting it by being really open and yeah. Uh, yeah, just putting it out there. I like that. Not having to have a secret code name yes. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um, the next issue, the theme is makers. So we're kind of exploring the. There's a lot of people who've come to us who have um, different food businesses or whatever skill set. Um, people outside food but have are tangentially related and so it kind of celebrates that community of people doing that's cool exciting stuff. like yourself yeah <laughs> any other I, I don't even know of any because made by lucas your product is so unique because it's you know fresh colorful and vibrant you can see all the beads you can see every single ingredient there there's like no mystery ingredients um, do you know anyone else who's doing that with veggie burger mixes that you can form into no, anything? I, I don't. Um, that's a, and I think that's it's, it's just cool. hard. Like perishability is really hard in a grocery mm-hmm. store. And I think anybody, if, if, if I had more business sense, then, then you're like, like nobody should be doing sense, it because it's impossible. Been a little bit discouraged by that. It's, I feel like it's been when you start have a food product, um, like the grocery store space is just like a really it's it's a very challenging environment, and um, and people seem to either do something that's really familiar where you have a lot of competition, yogurt, yogurt, okay. jam, cereal, granola bars, or you can do something completely different, um, and it's fairly easy to get on the shelves that way, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was my experience, but um, 
it requires a whole lot, a whole new set of um, educational tools that you have to go out and really um, find your customer and teach them about your product. So why didn't you decide to do them like frozen and already formed into those flat little discs? Because I don't like to eat those and I don't, um, maybe eventually we will have a product like that. Uh, For me, they're... They're vegetable, very vegetable oriented. Eighty so percent of it's fresh vegetables. We produce Yours upstate. Are. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we produce upstate. Um, use local vegetables whenever we can. A lot of them are like wonderful store crops. So they, we, for a lot of the year, we're able to buy Beets, locally. So forth. Beets, carrots, yeah. cabbage, all that stuff. Good. Um, and then, I mean, I, I, I love to cook. I'm a passionate home cook, and so I wanted something that kind of embraced that culinary creativity. All right, so we have to educate. Yeah, <laughs> to educate. Get people out there, to, buy some veggie burgers. To form your own veggie patties, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is a tough. That is a tough one, and and it seems like you're. Yeah, you're like you seem to like to challenge conventions and and do something new, like with the Tari magazine. Who nobody's doing that. I can't believe it. Um, you know. There are a lot of women's magazine. I mean, Cherry Bomb, for instance, they have a show on this uh, network. Um, that's a women's issue uh, food magazine. I love that magazine. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I I think that's, it just is little, uh, I, for me, it would, to do a magazine that's going to have so much competition from other magazines, mm-hmm. it, and there are a lot that kind of occupy the same shelf. Um I don't. For me, I'm not. I, maybe I'm just There's like no point less of a fighter. Gather, gather journal, right? Yeah, yeah, which is also a be- They're all beautiful magazines. They're all really great. It's just um, I feel like having that kind of you have more of an advantage if you can like capitalize a, a niche mm-hmm. and do something that is different. Now, do you actually make money off of Jari, or is it a not yet? But no? we're getting there. Oh, we will awesome. get there. Very cool. That's a, that's a totally a passion project. We had a Kickstarter and we launched it with a Kickstarter last summer. Okay. Yeah. So it's keeping on, keeping on. Mm-hmm. That's really exciting to hear because, you know, these things are hard and I'm sure very expensive to produce. So right on. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. All right. So I guess that's about all the time we have for today. But uh, any any appearances we can shout out for Bowl? Um, I'm going to, so the food book fair will be at the, for bowl, will be just something with the food book fair. I'm going to Seattle to book larder and doing an event there on Friday, April 1st. Sounds like um, a cool name for a bookstore. It really is. It's a fantastic bookstore. Um, that's all I can think of right now. Very cool. Thank you so much for coming on air again, Thank Lucas. Thank you, Kathy. All right. Can't wait to hear your next book, and then we can have a fourth interview yeah, on Heritage. For cups. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Check out Bowl, and we'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. For listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.